Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Hey, good morning, Project Church. How are we doing? So good to see you guys. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to continue in this two-year journey on the book of Mark. This is something we do at our church. We love the Word of God. And we don't believe we should run from any topics. And so what's cool about going verse by verse through books of the Bible is it makes us go after every topic. We have to uh, address everything that Jesus taught on it, the Word of God teaches on And So we are going verse by verse through this book. Mark is an amazing book. It's actually a fast-paced gospel. Um, I would say in, in some ways uh, Mark is, is one of my favorites of the gospels because it just moves along really quickly. And so it's been cool for us to be walking verse by verse through it. So if you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 2. We're going to be reading starting in verse number 18 today. It will be on the screen for you as well. You can follow along. But man, I, uh, I, I would really wanted to jump in here today. And I want to ask you a question. Do we have anybody in the house that likes, likes thrift stores? We got any thrift shoppers up in here? Uh, you can just call me Macklemore because, man, I want to pop some tags, y'all. I got $20 in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? But I love thrift stores. My, my wife, on the other hand, is not a fan. And so I'll go shopping at thrift stores and come back with, with a new fit. You know, it's, it's not new, but it's new to me. And, uh, and I'll come in and she'll just be like, gross. You know, like, that smells. Why is that in our closet? She's not about it. She's not about the thrift store life. But, but I'm about it. But I was thinking about it. And uh, the fact of the matter is, like, I love thrift stores. I love thrift shopping because there's a satisfaction of finding something and, and wearing something that, that was already used, right? That, and, and I get it for a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. Like, there's a satisfaction. But if you're honest with yourself, and if I'm honest with myself, I would prefer to wear something new. You know, I like the new smell, the fresh smell. I like to rip off the tag and not a, a, a nasty Goodwill tag. You know what I'm saying? Like, like a, a crisp, clean tag. I, I like the new. Now, there's a satisfaction in, in, in going to a thrift store. There's a satisfaction in finding a, a great fit where I can tell people, yeah, I got this for $4. You know, there's a satisfaction in that, and I still do it. But I get where my wife is coming from. With, with the new. I mean, I, I love the new car smell. Y'all like the new car smell? There's something about the new. And so I want to read from Mark chapter 2. I want to read verse 18 through 22. Because I think that in this passage, Jesus is really ushering in and telling the, the people that are questioning him that, that, that it is a new season. That there is a new thing that has come. There is a new message. And so the title of my message today is that new, new. Everybody say new, new. So I want to read Mark chapter 2, 18 through 22. But before I do, I want to just set up today. Because I believe that this word is a prophetic word for our church and for you. Now, if you're new to church or maybe you haven't been coming that long, you might hear this term and say, okay, what does that mean? Like prophetic sounds kind of weird. Uh, is that like telling my future? I think a lot of church people have think, oh, so, so you're going to like tell me my future prophecy. But in, in the scriptures, a prophetic word or prophecy 
is an encouraging or edifying word for an individual or for the body. And so I, I really believe that this word that God has given us and he brought us to on Unity Sunday, we've had this plan for months, that this was a word that was prophetic for our church for today and for this season. It's going to be a word of encouragement and it's going to be a word of edification. But it's not just for our church body and where our church is going, but it's also for you as individuals. On top of that, I do believe that this word is prophetic in nature, that it is telling us about where we're going and what God has in store for us. Because sometimes in prophecy, God is telling us what's coming up and what the new thing is that's coming. And so I want you to lean in today, okay? I know some of you, you, you came in here just to check a box off a list maybe, or, or maybe a friend drugged you to church. You thought a girl was cute, so you're like, all right, I'll go. Um, but, but listen, I want you to lean in today because I believe this is a prophetic word for our church and for you as individuals. So let's read Mark chapter 2, verse 18 through 22. 18 through 22. I just wanted to raise your expectation in this place, all right? When we come with expectation, God can release more into us, can he? Let's read verse 18. How or now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Now this passage is all often titled, Jesus is questioned about fasting. And people came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but you, your disciples, do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the, the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. I want to teach... Uh, and preach a message today entitled That New New. But I want to pray to set us up. Jesus, I pray today that you would speak into us what it is you want to speak to us. May our expectation rise in this place. Lord, I believe you are releasing new things. It's a new season in the lives of people in this room. But we're also walking into a new season as a church. And so God, the new that you have May you prepare us for it, and may we receive today what it is we need to hear. God, give me the clarity to share what you want me to share. In your name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So this is a passage titled, Jesus' Question About Fasting. Uh, they come to him, and I, I don't believe fasting is really the focus of this passage, though. You see, the focus is actually man's opposition to change. I don't know if you noticed that from this passage. Man is often in opposition to change and often to new. Did they really care that Jesus' disciples weren't fasting? No. They cared that Jesus was upsetting, upsetting the status quo of their religion. That's what they cared about. Because these Pharisees... And even these disciples of John, they'd been following Judaism or, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this law that had been given to them from Moses and had been passed down generation to generation. They'd been following it for generations. And now Jesus comes in and he begins to flip the script on them. 
and he doesn't follow their religious laws and regulations. And he starts ushering in and preaching in a new message about a new kingdom, and then he's the new Messiah. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they're upset because they're like, wait, 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 no, I don't know what this new thing is that you're talking about, but this is how it is. They didn't care about fasting. They cared about the status quo being upset. They cared about this new message that Jesus was bringing. Now, I want you to understand that Pharisees typically fasted twice a week. They had two days out of the week that they would fast. Not only that, but there were times in the month when they would dedicate multiple days to fasting. And so this is a time in the month when anyone that followed Judaism and, and was devout and religious about it would have been fasting for a longer period of time. And these Pharisees are fasting. John's disciples are fasting. Why? Because the law tells them to. And then they look and they see Jesus and his disciples, and they're eating, and they're drinking, and they're hanging out with sinners. And they're like, these guys are saying they have a new message and a new kingdom, and they don't even fast. They don't even follow the laws and the rules and the regulations. The Greek word used here for fast is the word nestusi, which means they do fast or are fasting. Now let me tell you, this aggravated the offense for the Pharisees and for John's disciples. Because what, what this word is saying is that this is a time when we're supposed to be fasting, when we always fast, when we regularly fast, and here you are not following it. There is a season for all things, including fasting. Now, I don't know if you've ever fasted, if you've ever skipped a meal. I'm sure all of you have skipped a meal. Um, some of you have skipped maybe a few meals. Maybe you've taken a day. Uh, we do this thing called Leadership Pipeline at our church where we train, like, leaders in our church. And it's a six-week course. And the first week, they have to fast for 24 hours. And I remember the first time I had a group of, like, 20, 25 going through it. And we told them, hey, you got to fast from 7 p.m. to 7 p.m. the next day. And that night, we're going to come together. We're going to break the fast. We're going to have dinner together. And all day, uh, multiple of them were texting me like, Caleb, I'm about to die. Like, I can't make it. How, how do you do this? I'm like, it's 24 hours. Your body will survive, right? Like, you have much, a lot of energy stored up. And it was funny, though. I think a lot of us in this room, maybe we've never fasted in our life. But the point of fasting is to dedicate or consecrate ourselves to God, giving up something sacrificially so that we can focus more on our relationship with God. So we don't eat and we pray. We take the time when we would be eating to be praying and talking to the Lord. Now, I fast um, throughout the year multiple times. I've done uh, as much as a five-day fast in my life. And uh, let me tell you, that's hard for a skinny man like me, okay? Uh, high metabolism. It's not easy. But I've done it to consecrate, to dedicate myself to God. But what is the point of fasting? Is the point of fasting so that God loves you more? No. Is the point of fasting because it's in the Bible and you got to check off like a list? And, and if you check off the list, then God is more pleased with you? No. The point of fasting is to get to know God more, is to grow in relationship with the God that you love. But what happens is the Pharisees and John's disciples, they get it twisted because they see it as a religious list of do's and don'ts. And they're going, we're doing it, and they're not doing it. 
And instead of focusing on them and God, they're focused on what Jesus is doing and other people are doing, which leads me to the first point today. I want to talk to you about the power of the new. Everybody say new. You see, there's power in new. And everyone in this room, you, you probably would be honest to say, yeah, I like new things, I like fresh things. I like fresh haircut, fresh fades, right? Uh, uh, new cars, new clothing, new house. Like, I like new things. And there's power in new, isn't there? And so uh, the first thing about the power of the new is that new revelation will be followed by new critics. You see, when God releases new things in your life, there's always going to be new critics that show up on the spot. People are always going to want to criticize us, especially when God is doing a new thing in us. First, I want to challenge us that we would not be critics, that we would be people of honor. One of the blueprints of our church is that honor is our culture. We believe we're supposed to honor all people around us. And yet we live in a world of criticism, of critics, and we love to criticize the people around us. And I believe that in the church and God's people, we shouldn't be critics. We should be celebrators. We should be people of honor. We honor. We celebrate those around us, even on Facebook, even on Instagram. But it's easy to be a critic because we can hide behind a screen as a critic. We can hide behind our words as a critic, protecting our own insecurities. You know why people are critics often? Because they're not happy with what's happening in their own life. We want to criticize people because we're not happy with where we're at. And so instead of focusing on us, we start focusing on everyone else. We start looking at what everyone else is doing. Not only that, but I think a part of being a critic as a person that maybe has a relationship with God somewhat or follows God is that critics are often more focused on religion than relationship. Critics are about the religious lists, the do's and don'ts. They're about these standards, and if you break these standards, then you're not loved, then God isn't pleased with you, then you're not as holy. But when you're about a relationship, then you love people, you honor people. Why? Because you want to bring all people to be closer to God, not push them away from God. So I, I got to challenge us first that we would say, I'm going to be a person of honor, not a person of criticism. The reason that they were so upset with Jesus was because Jesus, they thought, according to their religion, was supposed to be fasting. And let me tell you, people love to put their standards on you, don't they? Never mind what God says or what the Word of God says, uh, but this is what I think you should do. This is what I think is right or wrong. And they were taking something and twisting something in in. Fasting that was meant to be about them connecting with God, a relationship, and they begin to put those religious rules on the people around them and say, why aren't you doing what we're doing? You see, when God begins to do a new thing in your life, there will be new critics that show up on the spot. And what happens is Jesus has ushered in a new kingdom, a new message, a new gospel, and these people are threatened, and they're upset. And they're like, no, this is the status quo. And so they begin to criticize Jesus. You know, there's a common saying, and uh, I, I don't know about you, but I listen to, like, the music of today. 
I, I'm trying to stay young, y'all. Like, I, I want to know what the kids are listening to. I want to know, like, what, what, what's, what's the hip-hop today? What's the, the pop music? And I don't, like, always love it. I call it junk food for your ears. You know what I'm saying? Like, every once in a while, it's okay to have a Snickers. That can't be your diet, though, okay? Like, that can't be your whole diet. But I like to listen to just kind of know what's going on. And, and there's this song and this saying that is pervasive in celebrity culture. And I, I heard this song a few years back, and I started recognizing and realizing, like, man, a lot of celebrities have taken on this mantra. And this mantra is this, no new friends. That's the mantra. No new friends. And there's a song like DJ Khalid and uh, I think Kendrick Lamar or something like that. It's like, no new friends. And so now all these celebrities, artists, you know, uh, sports players, athletes, famous people, their mantra is no new friends. Why? Because I only ride with the people that knew me before I was famous. And I get it. Like, I get it that you got to protect yourself. And I want you to hear me, too, that I believe we should have long-lasting relationships that we invest in, especially as people of God. You should have relationships that you continue to build on over years and decades, hopefully. But I also believe that there's something powerful about new. And how sad is it to live a life where you don't believe you can ever have a new friend? Because at the end of the day, you and I are called to be salt and light in this earth. And if we're salt and light in this earth, we have to be seeking out and looking for new friends. Because new friends are, is where we're going to deposit new love and new hope and new joy and new light and new salt in this earth. We are called to have new friends. Not only that, but my wife, my wife and I are in a season of new. I'm just telling you right now. So this word is prophetic for our church. It's prophetic for me. It's prophetic for us. And I think it's prophetic for a lot of you. We just bought a new house. We have new neighbors, new community. We bought a new building for Project Church. Um, we're in a season of new. Now, in this season, it's been crazy because also Christy and I have been connecting with and establishing like a lot of new friendships and in these new friendships and some of them are with people that don't know Jesus some of them are with people that do know Jesus but what's crazy is not only are we depositing in them but something about new friendships has been depositing in us I mean my wife and I have been so encouraged and joy-filled, and, and, and we just have been feeling like so full of life. You want to know why? Because of new friends, because of new relationships. And I, I wanted to say this to you. I wanted to tell you because I believe there's a time for everything, the Bible tells us. And it says in this passage that I read, it says the time will come. What I mean by it is that God has a season for all things. But you know what critics do? Critics love to put their timeline on your call. They want to put their timeline on your life. You should have built a better business by now. You should have had a bigger house by now. You should have a better job by now. You should have been married by now. Some of you are like, I know. You should have more money in your bank account by now. You should have more retirement by now. You should have had a bigger church by now, Caleb. Critics have said that to me. 
The critics love to put their timeline on your call. But I want you to hear something today. Don't let man dictate God's timing for your life. God's timing is perfect. It may not look like what you thought it would look like, and it definitely won't look like what the critics think it'll look like, but God knows. God's got you. And I want you to hear something today in this place. God is pleased with you. Put your hand on your chest right now. Everybody here say, God is pleased with me. Say it. He's pleased with you. I know some of you could be a little further along in some places of your life. And you feel that way. But I want you to know God isn't disappointed. God hasn't been let down. God is looking at you and say, look, maybe the timeline's a little different. But keep trusting me. Keep pushing in me. Keep pressing into me. I've got greater things for you. I've got new things for you. New things in store for your life. Don't let the critics dictate God's timing for you. Because God's timing is perfect. And it often looks different than what we think. Number two today, power. The power of the new is that new power comes with new levels of preparation. So let me tell you, God's going to release new things in your life. But he's not going to be like, oh, yeah, and you can just chill and take it easy. When God releases new things in your life, you know what that means? That means you need to have a new grind. That means you need to have new level of preparation. That means you need to have a new work ethic. I, I, I gotta be honest with you, we're in a new season of our church. And we're going through something in this building process that I was not prepared for or trained for in Bible college. All right? I studied in seminary and Bible college, I have a master's in theological studies. They never told me anything about fundraising. They never taught me anything about how to build a building. They never taught me anything about making decisions on wood laminate or, or wood panels or, or, or carpet squares. Or I didn't learn that. And there are moments when I look back and I'll be like, God, this is a lot of work. Like, God, can we just go back to when we were two years old as a church? Because back then it was fun and, and kind of easy. Like, I, I, I was more chill back then. I didn't carry the same load I carry, you know, now back then. And yet as I look back in it, I also recognize and realize that there's so much life now. There's so much joy now. Is it harder? Yes. But God also prepares you and enables you and, and gives you everything you need for the new season that he's walking you into. Does that mean you just sit back and take it easy? No. We got to work harder now than ever before as a church. We got to work harder now than ever before as a staff. But let me tell you, there's so much life in it. So I want you to hear me because God is releasing new power in your life. He's releasing new things in your life. But it comes with a level of sacrifice and grind and a new level of preparation that's expected of you. Now listen, I'm going to be honest with you right now. You could just sit back and take it easy. Like God could release new things in your life and you could actually be like, no thanks. Because I don't know if I, if I can really go to that level. Because it's going to take more work, more sweat, more preparation, more time, more money. It's going to take a lot of you. And so I just want you to know, like, God will love you if you just say, no, you know what, God? Thank you for that, but I'm going to just stay. It's okay. But I also want to tell you, I don't believe that's what God has for you. 
I don't believe that God wants you to stay. I don't believe God wants you to stay with status quo. I don't believe God wants you stuck. I don't believe God wants you to just sit back and take it, take it easy. I believe God has brought into Project Church a people and a group of world changers. I believe he's brought into this building, into this church, influencers and impactors, people that are shaping culture and changing culture and believing that we're going to change a city for Jesus Christ. That's what I believe in your workplace, in our church. And so I want to challenge you that you would rise to the level of the preparation that is expected of you. God's bringing new things. He's bringing new opportunities. You could pass or take it, but I believe God is saying today, it's time to take it. It's time to step up. It's time to walk in a new grace, in a new zone, in a new place. New power comes with new levels of preparation. This year, my son, he went to first grade. And uh, I wasn't ready for it because kindergarten was chill, y'all. Like, they just came home, no homework. Like, they're like, Dad, I learned about the letter B today. I'm like, awesome. Like, Bumblebee, you know, like, Transformer is cool. Like, you know, like, we, it, it was chill. We, they came home every, he came home every night, no homework. We took it easy. We went to bed, got up the next day, went to school. First grade came, though, and all of a sudden it's like, he comes home and he's like, Dad, I, I got to learn how to spell these words. I have a spelling test at the end of the week. Dad, can you help me memorize this thing? Dad, I have projects. Can, can you help me? And of course, I'm doing it all. Chrissy, she didn't, no, I'm kidding. She does most of it. Um, Dad, can you help me with this math? I'm like, what is this? Common core math? This is not of God. You know, like, I don't understand this. I didn't learn this growing up. I'm kidding. Some of you are very opinionated about it. I really don't care. But I don't get it. I'm like, I don't understand this math. Like, you got to figure it out on your own, bro. Like, here's a YouTube video. Watch it. This is the generation we live in, guys. Don't even have to help them with homework. Just watch YouTube. But let me tell you, the level of preparation for kindergarten from first grade was significant. Like, a significant change. In the same way, when God levels you up, when God brings new power, new opportunities, new moments in your life, there has to be a new level of preparation in your life. The old covenant was being replaced with something totally new. Jesus didn't come to patch a hole in their religion. And that's what this passage is talking about. He didn't come to just give a new twist on an old thing. He came to do an entirely new thing. That's why Jesus came. And so he says, look, you don't take a patch of unshrunken cloth and put it on an old garment. Because if you do, when you wash it, that little patch is going to shrink and it's going to rip off. Now, we don't get this because you get holes in your jeans and, or you buy holes with your jeans, number one. You don't patch them. You're like, I bought my jeans like that on purpose. Um, Number one. Number two, when you're done with a piece of clothing, you just throw it away. We don't get this. But in this day, clothing was expensive. It was made by hand. I mean, it, it took a lot of time and hours. And, and so when you got a, a piece of clothing, if there was a hole in it, you'd patch it, but you'd have to patch it with a pre-shrunk piece of cloth so it wouldn't rip off. And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, I didn't come to patch a hole in your religion. I didn't come to put a new twist on the religion that you had. I came to give you an entirely new thing. And I believe God is releasing new things in this place today. He's releasing new things in our church today. And there's going to come a new level of preparation. And I'm, I'm going to just do it right now. 
I'm just going to do it. You guys, I didn't know if I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Listen, church, if we're going to walk into this building that God has called us to, we need a new level of givers to rise up in this church. We need a new level of servants to rise up in this church. If we are going to walk into, I'm not even kidding you, I believe God has something big in store for us. That we are about to walk into a season of incredible expansion. But the only way that is going to happen is if all of us, not just me, not just Chrissy, not our staff, if all of us say, I will rise to the level of the preparation that is expected of me. I will be more careful with my money so I can give to the church. You know what? I'll start tithing. I've never tithed in my life, but I'm going to start doing it. Not because it's required of me, but because I love God and I believe in the mission of this church and the mission of the gospel that all people would find life and freedom in Jesus. It comes with a new level of preparation, and it's going to take all of us to fulfill the power that God wants to usher through us. It has to. Jesus came to do away with dead religion, to give us a new relationship, one that would come with new power. Listen, you can't walk in the anointing of yesterday. We can't walk in the power of yesterday. We need new spiritual power. We need new authority for a new day. We're coming into a new day. You're walking into a new season in your life. And I want to tell you right now, you need a new level of anointing and power for that new season. And that means you need a new level of preparation. You need to be in your word. You need to be in prayer. Some of you have never dedicated your time to God beyond showing up on a Sunday morning. And we're so glad you're here. But I'm telling you right now, if we're going to be all God's called us to be, he's asking for more. And I'm asking you for more. That you would rise to what it is that God has for us. Now listen, he'll still love you if you just stay. And, and, and he'll, still, he'll, he'll still rejoice in you if you just stay. But we won't walk into the fullness of the capacity of the purpose that God has for us if we don't level up even in our preparation. Third and finally, if the band will come back. I should have said all that in the 930 service. Dang. They needed to hear that too. We're posting this service online, okay? And we're going to say, go back and listen to point two. Okay. Number three. And fi- third and finally. The power of the new, new anointing precedes new opportunity. So I've been talking about it. I've been talking about opportunity, and you guys are getting opportunities. God's bringing opportunities. But here's what I want you to hear today. God has to release the new in you before he can release the new through you. Before he can release the new through you and even for you. He has to release something new inside of you. We have to seek out that new anointing. And some of you are like, well, how do I do that? Like, even this idea of anointing, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, that probably sounds weird. But in the Old Testament, they would take anointing oil and they would pour it on the head of a new king. And they would anoint them. And that anointing oil was symbolic of the presence and the power of God falling upon them to prepare them for the task at hand. And then in the New Testament, the Bible actually tells us to take anointing oil and to place it on the the heads of people and to pray over them. Again, there's nothing like 
magical about anointing oil, okay? We didn't get at Hogwarts or something like that. The, the anointing oil is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> the anointing oil, that was not of the Spirit, guys. That was of my flesh, okay? The anointing oil, again, is symbolic of the presence and the power of God falling upon you. And so that's why when we've always moved into a new house, we're anointing our, our bed frames in our house with oil, praying over it. Why? Because it's symbolic of the power and the presence of God falling. So some of you are like, okay, seek out the anointing. New anointing, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you, it's really simple. Two things you have to do to seek out a new anointing for a new season. Number one, you ask for it. You say, God, I want new anointing, new power for a new season. And number two, you believe for it. You see, sometimes we ask for things, but we don't believe for them. You can't just ask for it. You got to believe it. We ask for it and we believe it. And here's what I believe. When we ask for it, we believe it, God will bring it. That's the God that we serve. He's the God that gives good gifts to his children. New wine is coming for this church. New anointing is coming for this church. And new anointing means new power. New power is needed for a new season, for new opportunities. And God wants to release new power, new anointing for the new seasons that you're going to walk through as individuals and that our church is about to walk into. New. That's what he's releasing. I remember marrying my wife. It was a lot of years ago. We're coming up on 11 years, actually. That's crazy. Yeah, thank you guys. I love, every time I say how long we've been married, people cheer. I think it's awesome. I, thank you. Seriously, thank you. Um, but my wife and I, I remember I was a youth pastor when we started talking. And so I was a single youth pastor. And, you know, as a single youth pastor, I, I taught, preached, you know, led. And I remember marrying my wife. And I married her, and, and then I came back from the honeymoon, and I preached. And I preached, and after the first sermon, multiple people came up to me. They said, Caleb, something was different today. Something was different about you. Like there was a new level of power, anointing on you. And I was like, thank you. I've been really close to the Lord. You know, <laughs> I've been praying a lot. You know, And, and then the next week... Somebody else said it. And the next week, somebody else said it. And for months, people told me something shifted. Something's changed. And let me tell you, marrying my wife leveled me up. You want to know why? It's not just because she's amazing, which she is, and I did marry up. But I want to tell you, it's because it was a new season. And we prepared ourselves for that new season. We put the preparation necessary for that new season. And in that new season, there was a refining and a sharpening that happened. I started to talk to her about my sermons. And she'd be like, that doesn't make sense. I'd be like, you don't make sense. And then, you know, we're, we're real mature guys. And, but this new season brought a new anointing and a new power. And we began to walk in a greater authority together. 
And I want to tell you right now, church, in here, in this place, there is something happening in our midst. There is something happening in our city. There's something happening in Project Church. The God of new things wants to release new things in your life. But it has to start in here. That God would bring a new anointing, a new passion, a new love, new preparation. God would change something on the inside so that he can release that out as the new opportunities come on the outside. It has to start in us. In Isaiah, and I'm going to close. Isaiah, it actually says, 43, 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. A new thing. Everybody say new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to tell you right now, church, God is doing a new thing. And he's doing a new thing in your life. And he's doing a new thing in our church. He's releasing new all across this place. And yet some of us don't perceive it yet. And some of us always see is a wilderness and a desert. And I want to tell you, God will make a way. God will provide. God will bring the level of anointing you need. God will bring the preparation, the power you need. He's got it. He's doing a new thing. But I want to ask you, how many of you in this place have felt stuck for a long time? You felt stuck spiritually. Maybe you felt stuck mentally. Today, I believe God wants to release something new in you. He wants to release something new in you because he's saying, no longer will my people be stuck. My people move forward. And they move forward in the wilderness, in the desert, and I bring streams. You know what streams do in the desert? They create oasises. Oasises. Oasis. I don't know how to say it. They create something that deserts have never seen. And that's what God's about to do through our church, through us, in your job, in your family, in your neighborhood. God is releasing an oasis in the desert of your life. God wants to release some new things in this place. And we got to right now perceive it and receive it. Say, I perceive it now. Caleb, you've spoken it out. Well, now it's time to receive it. Say, yes, new. Yes, new opportunity. Yes, new anointing. Yes, new, uh, new preparation. Yes, new power. I receive it in this place. Would you bow your heads across this, across this room right now? If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.